All right. Welcome to the 930 service. Just kidding. Uh, 930 was a little sparse. So was anybody planning on being at that one? And, uh, it's good to see you. My name is Derek. I'm the pastor here. And so um, you get me for the next few minutes. And um, the way this is going to work is I'll, I'll do a little bit of teaching. If you have a Bible, John 8 is where we're going to be. And then I've got a short film toward the end of, um, toward the, end of the talk. And then we'll close it out uh, with some uh, communion and offering and all of that. So as always, are you ready? Are you ready to uh, get into this? Okay, uh, let me start with this. I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, my wife. Her name is Mickey. Uh, we'll be celebrating 18 years of marriage come May. And um, yes, we got married in high school. And uh, just kidding. Right after college, week after college, we got married. But uh, so that's coming up. And the thing about our relationship, even since we were dating, like there's, there's always been this uh, presence of really this sense of like wanting to protect one another. And uh, we're very protective of each other. Uh, so, and part of that is just because we know one another's uh, weaknesses. We know what sets us off. We know what can hurt uh, the other person. And so there's always been this kind of, I want to make sure that uh, nothing hurts her, no one hurts her. And she's, uh, she's the same uh, with me. And one of the decisions that, like for example, I'll give you an example. Like one of the decisions we made uh, early on in our marriage, she's always been a pastor's wife, um, and she works too. She's full-time uh, at a job, and we have kids. So, I mean, we're just also this normal family. Um, but one of the things that we decided early on was that if I was going through uh, stressful times at church, at work, or whatever, like if you send me one of those really nice emails and uh, what have you, um, like she doesn't know about that stuff. Like I just don't bring that home. I don't like, I mean, she might know that things are stressful or whatever, but she doesn't know names or faces or whatever, uh, mainly because um, she would rather come to church and not know those things so that her experience here, her life in this community is just as normal as it can be. And um, so that's, that's sort of the, not the, ma- the main reason she doesn't want to know that is because um, she's very protective and she will track you down. <laughs> so it's really this sort of act of like, uh, self-control on her part, like she'll take you out. And um, <laughs> so, but that's just the kind of way it is. That's the way it is for us. And um, I will, as best I can, I will do anything to protect her from potential uh, harm or pain or whatever. I'll stand between her and anything that uh, might hurt her, except for one thing, haunted houses, I throw her in front of me every time. <laughs> Does anybody do that when you're in a haunted house? Like when we were in college, they had, we went to school in Cincinnati and right on the Ohio River, they would put these barges out there and build haunted houses on them every uh, Halloween. And like rule of thumb, if the rock and roll station uh, in the city is advertising a haunted house, it's, it's terrible. It borderlines illegal. Uh, but we would throw money into these things. For some reason, I like to go to them, but I don't like being in them. But I would just throw her in front of me every time, and I'll still do that uh, to this day. It's just, be, I don't know, what it, does anybody else do that? Is it just me? Am I the only? Okay, fine. Um, my illustrations never work, but let me just finish it out here. Uh, I mean, the thing about the haunted houses for me is, like, it's, it's the confusion, it's the chaos, it's 
Uh, it's the fear of the unknown. Like, I know something is around the corner, but I don't know what it is. But I know something's around there. It's probably a person with a chainsaw. It's always a chainsaw. I don't really understand the need for a chainsaw. But I know that that person's there, but I don't know when they're going to be there. or in my. So it's just that whole, like, confusion uh, of the unknown and the fear of the unknown or whatever. But all of that is uh, heightened by the fact that it's just dark in there. Like, if they turn the lights on, it's probably silly. You know, it's like, really, I was scared of that guy or that person. But because the lights are off, it just feels, I don't know, like it just lends itself to uh, that sense of confusion and lostness and like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it kind of freaks you out. It makes you scared. Does that, does that make sense? Now, how this relates to life is, is more than, it's a, such a simple transition. I mean, when we are in what I would say is a season of darkness in our life, um, it can be very confusing. Uh, it can be scary because we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what's next for us. We, we feel trapped in kind of this in-between state. It can be very frightening. It can be scary, even paralyzing. Like we don't move. We don't make decisions. We don't, like whatever, if we're in a season of darkness, whatever that may be, uh, where the lights have just gone out and we don't see very clearly what's happening to us, with us, around us, whatever, it can be really stressful. And I think the question I want you to wrestle with today is this. When you're in a season like that, and you may be in a season like that right now, how do you get through those seasons? Like, how do you push through uh, and make it out? So that's the question I want to rest uh, in your mind as we, as we move through this. Is everybody in John chapter 8? Doesn't really matter. I'm going to put it on the screen. Uh, <laughs> It's just the same. I don't, it's a struggle for us. All right. So if you're new with us, this is the fourth Sunday in a series called The Present Tense. And it is uh, in John's gospel, he recorded Jesus saying uh, seven statements that all began with the words, I am. And what followed each of those I ams are these word pictures Jesus would give. And, these, and they're all autobiographical metaphors of who he is. And so you have all these uh, statements where Jesus says, I am this and I am that. And they're all word pictures. They're not literal, but they're just like, this is who I am. And so it kind of invites us in to learn more about him. And today, we're in week four. It's kind of the turn in the whole seven-week series. And today is a very interesting text because uh, it, it is going to push us into the next few weeks, and it really is all related. And it sort of begins here. And Jesus says in John 8, verse 12, He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So let's just say that together. It's very short. We can do that. Let's say it together. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I want you to look at those words, whether it's in your Bible, on the back of the bulletin, on the screen, or whatever, and I want you just to feel the weight of what Jesus is saying. And I want you to see and hear the words, the profound promise that is in there, that if we walk with God, I mean, this is what he's saying, if we walk with God, then we will never walk in darkness. It's very interesting. That is a very explicit promise. If we walk with God, that we will not walk in and darkness. Now, darkness and light in the scriptures, they're metaphorical. 
they come with uh, a long history of meaning. When the, the original readers and hearers of these terms, darkness and light, they interpret them correctly, that this has something to do with the way things are and the way things should be. The contrast between life and light and darkness and light, particularly in John's writings in the, in the New Testament, are central. Like you just bump into this all the time. In fact, First John, one of the letters he wrote, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? Light. That God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. It's a big theme in the Scriptures. In Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2, you were clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as a garment. I love that. Like, when if God could be seen in that way, He's just wrapped in light as with a garment. But probably the central light versus darkness text is Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Watch this. The earth was formless, void, And darkness covered the face of the deep. And while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light. Now just keep your eye on that passage. I mean, first of all, this is like the scariest passage I've ever read. This is how the Bible opens. Like, the earth was terribly formless. It was void. There was no life in it. I mean, this is how the story begins. Like, you open it up, let's just read about God. Wow, it's very frightening. Formless uh, is like in the sense that no one can see or feel the shape of the way things are. And again, the, the phrase, the face of the deep, that's just scary. Like, that's wherever you are in the ocean and you look over, you know, at night you look over into the water and it's just, you know it's deep. And you know there's something in there, but you can't see beneath the surface. It's very scary. And this is intentional on the writer's part. He's setting this up. I mean, the very first thing that we read in the Bible is this frightening scene of confusion, of chaos, of darkness. And darkness is interesting because it's not created in the Genesis story. It's reworked. Darkness is presupposed, and God introduces light into the darkness. Light divides the darkness. It brings clarity out of the darkness, and so on. Now, I want you to hear this closely. When you read uh, the Genesis 1 and 2, you're not reading science, because they didn't know that. And how boring would that be anyway? You open the Bible, and here comes all the physics. We wouldn't read that. But what you're reading is, I mean, some of you were, I know we've got some tech kids in here, but uh, us seminary students, we're not going to read that. Uh, but what you're reading is this deep and profound, intentional statement about who God is. This is about the character of God. That in Him is order, assurance, safety, and in the midst of chaos, He brings light. And light in the Scriptures is mostly connected to everything that is right with the world. Like everything is where it should be. Everything is as it should be. Everything that is sure, is truthful, is pure. This is what light means in the Scripture. And light is just a word for uh, safety and clarity and salvation and assurance and comfort. And light and darkness 
are equally in God's care, but they are not equally in His purpose. That God's drive is towards the light. It's towards dispelling chaos and confusion and fear. Now, darkness in the Scriptures is, again, a metaphor for everything that is wrong with the world. Darkness is a metaphor for all that is broken, that isn't right with our lives or with the world that we live in. It's a symbol of confusion, of chaos. It's a state of blur, of danger, of being lost. It's like this stammering kind of life. If you walk in darkness, you're just stammering, off-center, off-purpose. To walk in darkness, as Jesus says, you'll never walk in darkness. To walk in darkness is simply to walk around unaware that God is present. What is hell? The absence of the God's presence. I mean, it's just we walk around in hell all the time. And to walk in darkness is to just move through life unaware that God is present. And so everything is temporal. Everything is immediate. Everything is relevant. Everything has to be solved in the moment. And to walk around with no vision of hope or certainty is to walk in darkness. And what's interesting about this verse uh, that we read in John where Jesus says, look, if you walk with me, you won't walk in darkness anymore. You'll never walk in darkness. And so what does that mean? Like, how is that possible? What, where, where is the truth in that? And I think probably the best thing to do is talk about what this promise does not mean. I think it would be wise for us to sit there for just a moment. It doesn't mean, nor does Jesus want us to hope that it means, that if we follow him, that somehow we'll escape trouble. Like, that's the thing that he doesn't want us to interpret here. That somehow because of him, we would be protected from things like doubt and confusion, addiction, sickness, disease, abandonment, depression, unemployment, financial problems, confusion, tension in relationships, even death. Like these are not embedded in the promise. Like you'll, you'll never experience these things if you just walk with me. That's not what's happening here. There's no promise from Jesus about some favored, insulated state just because we belong to him. Because everybody loses their way. Sometimes we all lose our way. And I may have said this before, but it's just my advice to you is exit any conversation. Walk away from any spiritual conversation that places God in the role of keeping you safe from all problems. Like a good luck charm. Like just, it's just not, it's not sound. It's not true. In fact, God tends to walk with us through the darkness where our faith grows. And so walking in darkness, that's a little different. It isn't the same thing as walking through the darkness, because we can do that. I mean, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the writer says, I will not fear because you are with me, right? We can do that. We can get through it. But walking in darkness is kind of what Jesus is talking about here is this kind of state of being, like I'm just stuck in this life, confusion, and chaos, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm unaware that God is present, and so on. And so I started with this question, like how do you get through these seasons? And again, you may be in one of those seasons now, and I don't know how you get through it, but how, how do you do that? How do you deal with dark times, do you just sleep through it? 
hope that you wake up and it's gone? Is there an avoidance peace like a lot of people will just avoid? Like just keep pushing it and pushing it to the side? As if it's really going to go away? Um, last year, it's kind of a personal story, but last year around this time, coming up on the year of it, I had a panic attack in my home. And I had never had one of those before. And I didn't know what was happening. I was home. It was Friday. Uh, my daughter was asleep in the crib. My son was at school. My wife was at work. And I thought I was dying. And I didn't know what was happening. And so I called the ambulance. I didn't call the ambulance. I don't know the ambulance's number. Uh, is this EMS? Could you stop by and make a run? But I called and you know, they're talking me through. They said, check your pulse. I'm like, it's just through the roof. I don't know what's happening. And, um, you know, so they sent the ambulance out. And there I am on Peachtree Road on the sidewalk. <laughs> How you doing with my shirt off? And they've got the EKG. It's very embarrassing, which was just making my heart rate go faster. They weren't helping, really. And, um, but they're doing that whole thing. And um, the one guy looks at the screen and says, hey, man, are you Okay. And I was like, I don't know. That's why you're here. He's like, because everything's fine. Like, what's your problem? And then uh, we ended up going to uh, Piedmont, and I spent the next few hours there. I had a million things done. And (laughs) the doctor rolled in and said, uh, well, we've kind of done everything we can do, and it just sounds like you need to chill out. I'm like, okay. And so uh, how much is this going to cost me? Because I'm already kind of stressed about that. But a couple things he said to me, he said, one, he said, have you ever had one of these before? I said, no. And he said, you will have them again, because once you have them, you'll have them again. I was like, well, that's fantastic. And I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but it's really frightening. And um, he said, you'll probably have them again, but it's good that you know, because now you know. And, uh, you know, so just keep that in mind. And the other thing is, we have some people here uh, at church who uh, work in the behavioral world, and they understand how all this works. And one of them, who is an elder here at the church, said to me, "Um, look, I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what it is that you have been going through, but you need to know that it is not chemically or physically possible to just push things aside. You can, but it'll catch you. And it did. And I don't even know what it was, but it was just like, boom. And uh, so I learned my lesson last year, avoidance doesn't work. I mean, in the moment it works, but eventually it keeps coming back. Or are you the funny person through the dark times? Like, I'll just laugh through, I'm just funny. Like, you're the, if you're in a small group and you're this person, the moment it goes beneath the surface in the conversation, you're like, joke, 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 joke. You don't want to go there because that's a dark corner. I don't want to be in that conversation. Do you spend your way through it? Like, things are bad, I'm going to the mall, and I'm just buying stuff. Because that's quick, right? Do you drink your way through it? It's another way of avoiding. Do you medicate yourself through it with alcohol? Or you bounce from relationship to relationship? Like, there's a, just a queue of people that you can call, like, in a dark time, and it's It's immediate. I mean, what, what is it for you? Like, how do you get through the seasons of darkness? Now knowing that Jesus 
stood up and said, so I'm the light of the world, and that means a lot. And if you walk with me, I'll get you through this. How do you do that? I mean, the promise of Jesus as the light of the world is that when we walk through dark seasons, that somehow he'll light the way, that somehow he'll walk with us. And when Jesus said that we will never walk in darkness, he means that if we walk with him, it's not that we escape the darkness, but we begin to start interpreting our dark situations differently through the lens of Jesus. Like it's kind of like you're wearing a lens. This is what Jesus is inviting us to do. There's a promise that if we walk with him, our path will somehow be uh, lined with streetlights. Like it, we'll be able to see. We'll be able to recognize things. And again, not to be confused, we'll go through dark seasons. And you may be in one now. But the invitation of Jesus here is to start seeing all these things through him. To somehow interpret our dark seasons through the lens of who he is. Again, that just we gain clarity from that about our situation. It's this Christ-centered imagination, as it were. Like, I'm moving through all situations and allowing him to light the way somehow. We start to see more and more of the world through and by the light of who Jesus is. That, that's a, the simplest way for me to put it is this, that Jesus is asking us to walk with him to trust him in such a way that he lights our paths. And the path is just simply our decisions, our struggles, our relationships, our families, our life, everything. That we start to see more and more of the world through his eyes. Like that's the thing. That we're seeing and filtering life as Jesus, as if he were just standing there, coaching and prodding and suggesting and pointing things out, correcting, illuminating. He says, I'm the light of the world. It's this invitation to allow him to show us how to get through things. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And see, that's a mature spot in the journey. Like you move from just believing in it as fact or whatever to it's now impacting how I see things. I'm now starting to see and interact with the world in a different way. So it's not just that, yes, I believe that Jesus is true and all of those things have t- taken place, but it's now starting to completely wreck my worldview. I'm seeing everything else by it. And I love how he just plays on this light of the world. Like it's, like it's like that. It's like the light of the world, which for us is the sun, you know, physically. But it's in, in relation to Christ. It's like that's how I see it. Through him, I see the world just as I see the sun and its impacts on the world. And so the invitation here, if we want to kind of get in on this, Jesus is the light of the world, and if we walk with him, we'll, we'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life, he says. It's this, it's this personal invite to trust him and to be aware of his presence and to start seeing the world through his eyes. I want to show you this short film. I mean, it's just, this person can say it better, a whole lot better than me. And so we'll watch this for a couple minutes and then we'll close uh, with a couple thoughts.
side. What what do you want them to know about Jesus? It's funny having only recently lost my own father. I haven't actually thought very much about what it'd be like when my children lose me, bless them. Um, I think I want to tell them, just read the Gospels more. Many Christians in our day treat the Gospels, as a friend of mine said, as the optional chips and dips at the beginning of the meal, which you can sort of take it or leave it. There's some nice stuff to crunch there. But then you go and sit, sit at the table and you have the red meat of Pauline theology, and that's where we're all as it were, headed. Um, and I want to say, look, I love Paul. Paul is fantastic. He's been the stuff of my life. But the dynamism of the Gospels and the person who walks out of those pages to meet us is just central and irreplaceable. And he's always a surprise. We, we never have Jesus in our pockets. Um, he's always coming at us from a new angle. I would like to say to them, um, try reading the Gospels in different ways. Read them at a run, but then try taking the individual stories and doing what some traditions have done. Ponder that story and imagine yourself a character in the story. And wait and watch in the story while Jesus heals this man or talks to this old lady or whatever. And then wait and watch and pray until Jesus turns around and says to you, now, actually, can we have a chat about this? Where are you with this? And that, that's a way that many Christians have meditated on the scriptures and with the gospels particularly. It's a wonderful way in. And I would recommend that to anyone. I think the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus is perhaps the one which does this most for most people because there you have a sense which so many people know of people walking along without any idea what's happened feeling sorrowful feeling sad puzzled Jesus himself will come near and be with them and open the scriptures to them and then they recognize him in the breaking of the bread so I, I hope my children would know that I would say this anyway and uh, but to say Jesus is absolutely in the middle. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what grief is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're actually part of the drama which has him as its central character. There's a verse in Psalm 119, uh, verse 105. You may be very familiar with this, but it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Have you heard that before? It's, um, it's, it's very powerful because it's the word, like, that simply means the way of God, the teaching of God, the instruction of God. His word, it says, or your word, as the writer is saying, is a lamp unto my feet. Uh, my friend Jamie uh, has a very simple and yet profound understanding of this verse, simply saying he really enjoys how it's a very immediate verse. It's not long range. It's not, you know, your word tells me where I'm going 10 years from now, or you're lighting the way for the rest of my life, but it's just this step by step, the lamp is at my feet, which reminds us and encourages us that God is very, very relevant to our lives. That in the moment, he is walking with us step by step. We often picture God waiting for us in the place that he wants us to be. But in reality, he is walking with us whether we're in the place he wants us to be or not.
and that each step, whether in the valley or on the mountaintop, He lights our path. Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 3 uh, says, Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, this idea of fixing our vision on Him. He calls Him the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken His seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Just a nice description of like, this is the guy we should be looking at in each and every situation. But notice what it says in the next line, consider Him. And I want you to sit there for a moment because this word consider is very powerful. Like consider, to consider Jesus is to think deeply, almost painfully about who he is. And in light of who we are and how all of that comes together. And the writer is pleading, saying, just consider, please consider Jesus. Who endured such hostility from sinners so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. And that's a theme all through the Bible. That when you're in a dark season, don't lose heart. Know that God is with you through the valley, on the mountaintop, and everywhere in between. He is with us. He is not waiting in a place that he thinks that we should be, but he is with us where we are lighting our steps with his word, his instruction, his encouragement. And to live a life that would be a living hell would be to live unaware of that and to assume that God has left and is waiting for me to improve when in reality he is walking with us, he's walking with you, he's walking with me. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, And if you walk with me, you'll never walk in darkness. It's not a promise to be free from darkness. It's a promise that he'll walk you through it. But you won't walk in it anymore. You'll walk through it. Amen. We're going to celebrate with communion and and also with offering. And if you're new with us, the way this works is it's very simple. Uh, We have two tables in the front and two in the back and uh, I'll pray in a moment and then at your own pace you can make your way to one of the four tables uh, and take the bread and the juice uh, that each symbolize the life and the death uh, of Jesus but also remind us of his promise that he will return and that he will come back and make all things new and restore uh, everything and so until that day comes we do this each and every week uh, as a community um, really joining a movement of churches all over the world that are doing the same thing. And it really levels the room because we all go to the tables with different stories, but um, it, it, it really uh, brings us together as a community, saying we all are in need of Christ's love and mercy, no matter our situation. And so I'll pray for that. And also, uh, if you have come uh, prepared to give uh, in the offering, then the boxes are on the tables as well. If somebody around you needs uh, just for physical limitations or whatever, needs you to bring them communion, if you'll just do that, that would be uh, fantastic. So let me pray and then we'll spend some time doing that. God, thank you for this uh, morning and thank you for this
truth in this promise that, one, you are the light of the world, and um, this means that we can look to you, that we can trust you, that we can find life in you. And God, that if we walk with you, that somehow darkness does not overcome these seasons of struggle and difficulty, but we start learning how to uh, move through them and interpret them and imagine what Jesus would have us do and how he would have us behave in and through all of those things. God, and I think most of all, like today, just I'm sure that this room is full of people that are in the midst of a valley that are uh, unsure of what's around the corner, that are struggling uh, with the next steps, next moves. Um, God, I just pray that you encourage them today. And help us all to, to lean into you and to trust you and to be very aware of your presence. And so as we take the communion just now, uh, this physical reminder that you are here, and that you've, you're that committed to us, that you've, you've come and died and you will return and fix everything. But until that day, God, we put our faith in you and our trust in you. Walk with us, light our path step by step. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.